0: Hey, good morning, faith family. Morning. I want to say hello to those in Lakeville and the venue as well. Thanks for all of you gathering together today. Let we invite you, if you would, to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 9. Uh, this may be really good news for you or really sad news for you, but today is the last day. You have to let me finish, all right, uh, that you will hear from Koelis. Now, I knew I'd get at least an amen or hallelujah or something. we tired of the vanity. Um, now, it's not the last week of this series on Ecclesiastes or the search. Uh, you will remember at the very beginning of the book, I told you that there's two voices. Remember? There's a narrator that talks at the beginning of the book, and then he comes in at the end and kind of wraps it all up. And so that's what we'll finish up with next week. But today is the last day you'll hear from the main character of the book, our good buddy Coeleth, who we all love, right? Even though he doesn't always say things we want to hear, um, he's honest about life, and that's that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And um, if you're new with us, we're glad that you're here. This series is about how do we find meaning in life? How do you make sense out of life that doesn't always make sense? And uh, the Lord has given us this book, the Book of Ecclesiastes, and In your English translations, you'll see the phrase, the preacher, and that is simply the translation of the Hebrew name, Koheleth. And so that's who I'm referring to uh, throughout the series. And um, yeah, I'm going to give you a full dose of him today. I'm so glad you're at church, right? Because you're going to miss him in about six months, and so I'm going to lay it on thick today so that it will carry you over. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 9, if you're able to in all of our locations to please stand for the reading of God's Word. We are convinced here as a faith family that these are the very words of our God. Chapter 9, verse 1. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God, whether it's love or hate, man does not know, both are before him. It's the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, the good and the evil, the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. The good one is as the sinner. He who swears is he who shuns an oath. This is an evil and all that's done under the sun. That the same event happens to all. All. And forever they have no more share in all that is done of the sun. So go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved of what you do. Let your garments be always white. let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love, all the days of your vain life. <laughs> I'll just pause on that one that <laughs> He has given you under the sun. I'm going to miss you, Koelith, because this is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds you to do, do it with all your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, the battle to the strong, bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time, when it suddenly falls upon them. Let's pray together. I'd ask that you pray with me and pray for me. God, what a joy it is to be with your people gathered. And we're not here to hear a talk. We're not here just to see what a man has to say. We, we want to encounter you. This is a matter of life and death. This is a matter of eternity. So nothing matters more than what will happen in these next few moments. And so I ask Holy Spirit to do what only you can do. I am desperate. I am desperate for you. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear what the word of God says. To the glory of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. And God's people said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. Every morning, he cuts his banana in exactly seven slices, not six not eight. It always has to be exactly seven or something bad might happen to him that day. That is the morning routine of the famous film director Woody Allen as he described in an interview with Newsweek magazine. And Allen has his reasons. The reason why he's so specific about how he cuts his banana is because of this, quote, I know it would be a total coincidence if I didn't slice the banana into seven pieces and my family were killed in a fire that day, but you know, the guilt would be too much to bear, so it's just easier to cut the banana. Now, most of us would find that behavior strange, but here's what's even stranger. Woody Allen's an atheist, (laughs) meaning he believes that this life is all there is. In fact, he even describes life as a, you'll find this interesting, quote, a meaningless little flicker. Life is completely random because this life is all there is. There's nothing beyond this life. And, and so this life's completely random, which is why if you know any of his movies, his movies are purposefully random. Which is why I'm asking the question, if life is random, Woody Allen, then why does it matter how you cut your banana? That has no bearing on anything. And it's why in the interview he admitted that it's hard for him to reconcile his superstitions about life and the way he views life. But he said, it's just been this way ever since I was five years old when I first realized of death. When I first came into contact with death. And ever since then, I've not been able to listen shake the void. And they ask him, so why do you keep living? And here's what he said. You know, I've never been able to come up with a good argument to choose life over death, except I'm too scared. I'd rather just keep making movies. Because it's easier to focus on how the hero will get out of his predicament than how I will get out of mine. You've got to stop for a minute and think about that. Use your brain. Like, what's this guy saying? He's saying, I believe that life is meaningless. I believe it's purely random. And yet I'm obsessed with death. I can't get it off the mind. I slice my banana in exactly seven slices because I don't want anything bad to happen to me. All the while I try to ignore that and fill the void by devoting myself to things in this life. Does that sound familiar? See, Woody Allen is Koeleth. It's meaningless, although Koeleth isn't taking the perspective of an atheist. He believes in God. He just thinks God set it up this way. He knows that God is sovereign. It's just life appears random. Yet death is always lingering. And nothing will ruin your life more than death. (laughs) Makes sense, right? There's nothing worse that could happen to life than death. And so what do you do? You fill your life in the void with as many things as you can to try to take your mind off of it. And he does. Sex, pleasure, knowledge, work, success, love, money, power, on and on and on. And yet, every time, vanity, vanity, vanity. He's really, really frustrated. And at the end of the book, he doesn't mind telling you how frustrated he is. Look at chapter 11, verse 2. Here's the first reason why. He's really frustrated with life. Give a portion to seven or even to eight. Now underline this. For you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Look at verse 5. And you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child. So you do not know the work of of God who makes everything verse 6 in the morning sow your seed at evening with hold not your hand for you do not know which will prosper this or that or whether both alike will be good what's he saying did you see that repeated phrase you do not know what he's talking about is that life is frustrating because it's uncertain because you can't predict it will you prosper You don't know. Will disaster strike? You don't know. Will you be able to know what God is doing? You don't know. It's the most frustrating thing in life is not being able to figure out why. It's like the roll of a dice. That's what what life is like. And you're just hoping for a good bounce. You're hoping for a good hand. And this is the way whether you're rich or poor, healthy or not, doesn't matter. This is life. There are no guarantees. It is a life full of uncertainty. Some of you will remember the song by Doris Day. In fact, I'm going to lead the choir this morning and have you sing with me, right? I'm not singing. I'm just joking, right? Listen to these lyrics, okay? You'll remember the song, even if you don't know it's by Doris Day. When I was a little girl, I asked my mother, what will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? And here's what she said to me. If you know it, say it. K, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be the future's not ours to see. And she keeps going. When I was young, I fell in love and I asked my sweetheart what lies ahead. Will we have rainbows? Day after day. And here's what my sweetheart said. K, sara, sara, whatever will be will be. The future's not ours to see. Koelith would be like, that's insane. Whatever will be will be. That's nut. Like, how in the world are you going to find meaning in life if whatever will be will be? When life is like those big heart boxes that you get for Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. The tradition is we give each other those big red hearts filled with the gamble chocolate. Have you ever eaten any chocolate out of those big red hearts with any confidence? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, this could either be really good or totally nasty. <laughs> and I'm just pig enough to find out. Ah, I got the one filled with toothpaste. <laughs> mm. I'm gonna have to eat another nine to get rid of that flavor. And it's so true, isn't it? Like, like, life is like that. Like, you don't know if you're going to get the one that's filled with caramel and delicious or the one that's filled with toothpaste. So Forrest Gump's mother was exactly right, right? Life is like Gamble chocolates. Gamble chocolates because you never know what you're going to get. Although Coelith wouldn't put it that way. He's not writing Hallmark cards, okay? Uh, He's not concerned in all this sentimentalism. He would say it this way. Look at chapter 9, verse 11. Here's how he would put it. It's definitely not life is like a box of chocolates. It's like this. I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. At least that's what it appears like. For man does not know his time. Now watch the metaphor. Like fish that are taken in an evil net. Like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. So here's your precious little Hallmark card. You ready? Life is not like a box of chocolates. Life is like a fish. You're swimming along. Everything's going fantastic. Perfect water. Then all of a sudden, you're caught in a net, you're on somebody's dock up north, gasping for air, until eventually you get mounted on the wall. (laughs) How's that for your Hallmark card, right? That's what he's saying. Like, life is so, it's so frustrating, it's maddening, because you're just swimming along and boom, net. Oh, look, a worm, it's got a hook in it. Like, that's maddening. That it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you're at in life, it doesn't matter if you're old or young, this life has one guarantee, there aren't any. Whatever will be, will be. And when you add that to this next reality, it becomes even more maddening. Verse 1 of chapter 9. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise, their deeds are in the hand of God, whether it's love or hate, man doesn't know, both are before him. Now watch verse 2. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous, or wicked, good or evil, clean or unclean, sacrifices or the one who doesn't sacrifice, the good one or the sinner, the one who swears, or the one who shuns an oath. This is an evil And all that is done under the sun that the same event happens to all. You ready? Right here, right? Lakeville venue, everybody. Here's, Here's what he's saying. On one hand, it doesn't matter who you are, this life is full of uncertainty. You're just swimming along, boom, net. It's crazy. And then on the other hand, It doesn't matter who you are. There is one certainty, death. Do you see what he's saying? In other words, the only guarantee in life is the worst thing that can happen to you in life. And that makes life maddening. You add a life full of uncertainty with a life that only has this certainty, namely death, and you will drive yourself crazy. And as much as you might want to stick your fingers in your ear and la, 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 this isn't real. I've got plenty of time. And stick your head in the sand and just act like this isn't the case. Koelith would say, man, open up your eyes and just look around you. Look at chapter 12. In chapter 12, verse 3, what he does, you're going to love this. He tells you what it's like to get old. Now, none of you are able to relate to this, but hypothetically... Here's what it's like to get old and what Coeleth is saying, and these are the signs of death and decay all around you. Look at verse 3 of chapter 12. He says, here's what it's like to get old. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, that is, your hands begin to shake. And the strong men are bent, that is, your legs become tired and weak. And grinders cease because they are few, that is, you lose your teeth. (laughs) You're born with no teeth, guess what? You die with no teeth. And those who look through the windows are dim. That is, you begin to lose your sight. The doors of the street are shut, and the sound of the grinding is low. That is, you can't hear anymore. Right? any don't don't hit, please don't hit your spouse it's talking about you right you know that they're like i can't hear you my hearing is not as well it reminds me of the lady uh elderly lady went to the supermarket uh, she was buying um cotton balls face powder hair dye and denture cream i'm not making this up in the memo of the check she wrote repairs <laughs> right so that's what it's like to get old right keep reading And the one rises up at the sound of a bird. Uh, That is, when you're young, man, you can sleep through anything. Like a thunderstorm, a train could run through your house, and you're conked out. But when you're old, one little tweet. Not that kind of tweet, all right? The other kind of just tweet the little birdie, and you're up at 3 a.m., and you can't get back to sleep all the daughters of the song are brought low that is your voice changes uh, you can't sing as well as you used to be able to verse 5 they are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way that is you start getting nervous about things you're afraid of driving right so you turn your blinker on like 5 miles before you turn okay you've been you've been behind her you're nervous about heights. I've told you, don't make fun of me. Like, I don't like roller coasters anymore. I'll ride them, but I'm a nervous wreck. Used to love them. Not so much anymore. I'm getting old, all right? It's just things change. You become nervous about things. Keep reading. The almond tree blossoms. Have you ever seen almond trees blossom? They turn gray. They turn white. That's what your hair's going to look like. Unless, of course, it falls out, all right? All right. The grasshopper drags himself along. that is, you used to have all this energy energy, but now you'll find yourself napping anywhere you're, just, you're in the car at the grocery store parking lot, and you're out. And you laugh because it's true. And then it says, "The desire fails. I'm going to leave that one alone." I think you know what that means and there won't be any pictures about that. Keep reading. Because, (laughs) stop it. Because man, because man is going to his eternal home. So now he's gotten to the point of death. You see all this decay, old age, until finally there's death. After that, the mourners go about the streets. That is, they have the funeral. Verse 6 Before the silver cord is snapped and the golden bowl is broken, in the ancient Near East, that's the imagery of a light. In other words, Koelith is just saying the light is gone. Or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or wheel broken at the cistern. Uh, Just quickly. So in the ancient Near East, it's very uh, dry. So water, I mean, water everything for any civilization, but in particular, if you can't draw from the well, you have no source of life. So what Coelith is saying is the, the cistern's broken, the, the pitcher's broke. You can't draw water. You don't have access to life. Verse 7, the dust returns to the earth as it was. That's a reversal of Genesis. You have dust and then spirit, and then what happens? You return to dust and your spirit goes to be With the Lord, the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Conclusion, verse 8. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. I know you're so glad you came to church. Aren't you looking forward to getting old? (laughs) Here's his point. Everybody listen. Here's his point. Life is a candle. And it will soon be blown out. It's really interesting that the Lord would have me teach this on this weekend as I got a text yesterday from my mom about an aunt of mine who was very, very invested in my life growing up, who's gone. She had a heart attack Thursday night, they knew they, she wouldn't recover, sent her home with hospice care. In just a very short time, she died. And you know, Faith Family, I love that we laugh. I love that we have fun being together and being in God's Word. We should laugh, but there is also a time to be serious. Because this is real. And many of you know this to be real. Some of you in this room, some of you Lakeville, some of you venue, you're like me and that you've recently lost someone you love, someone you care about. The reality is, you can't avoid this. Coelho is saying, as much uncertainty as there is in life, there is one certainty in life, and it's death. You may remember I've told you about Harry Houdini, the great escape artist who could get out of anything. He told his wife right before he died, uh, if, if there's a way out of death, I will make contact with you on the anniversary of my death. Ten years after he died, His wife, who had put a a light underneath the picture, turned it out. The greatest escape artist who ever lived couldn't escape death and neither can we. And Coelho says, you've got to think about that. How, How do you make sense out of life when on one hand there's all these uncertainties and the only certainty is death? You say, well, okay, Coeleth, then how would you advise us to live? Do you have any advice for us? Well, you know he always has advice for you. So look at chapter 11. Here's what he would say are the three things you should do, given that life is uncertain and death is certain. The first is, get busy living. Get busy living. Verse 1 of chapter 11. Cast your bread upon the waters... For you will find it after many days. That's a very difficult verse to translate. Most scholars believe that it's the idea of of, of sea trading. That casting bread on the water was uh, very risky for them to go out to sea and to gather goods and come back. But if they survived the journey, there was great reward. And so verse 1 is talking about risk-taking, stepping out there, casting your bread on the water, taking risk, not being afraid. Now, that makes sense when you compare it to verse 4. Look at chapter 11, verse 4. He who observes the wind will not sow and he who regards the clouds will not reap. So what's he contrasting there? He's he's describing like a farmer who's watching the clouds, waiting for the perfect weather conditions before he does anything, before he sows. Do any of you know somebody that they're so over analytical that they end up doing nothing Like they analyze everything to the point they do nothing. You know, it takes you an hour just to decide where you're going to go eat, right? Because you're thinking about every single possible scenario and who's got the deal going on and where do the kids eat free and you're just so analyzing it, you don't do anything. Here's what Coeleth is saying, think, if life is uncertain and death is certain, then why would you just sit there paralyzed doing nothing? Get busy living. Take risk. Step out there. Cast your bread on the water. That's the best you can do. You may remember in the movie The Bucket List, remember with Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman, uh, and there's that scene where they're going through their list and they're talking about those things that they want to do before they die, right? And And, and they just found out that they only have one year left to live. And so they're thinking about how do we strategize that final year. And here's what Jack Nicholson's character says to Morgan Freeman. Quote, You think 45 years went by fast. Imagine one. So we can either lay around hoping for a miracle through some science experiment, or we can put some moves on live because your life is a candle that will soon be blown out. It's not his only advice. Get busy living. His second advice would be get busy giving. Look at verse 2 of chapter 11. Give a portion to seven or even to eight. Do you, do you say, give a portion to seven, or even give eight. Why? Here's the ground. For you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Now, understanding that verse should be rather simple. Give seven or even eight. Why? Because you don't know what's going to happen. I'll be generous when the kids are gone. I'll be generous in December when I need to make up for some tax deductions. I'll be generous when this or that. I'll be generous when I retire. But you don't know if that will ever happen. You don't even know if you'll be here at the end of the year. You don't know if you'll be here when the kids get gone. You don't even know if you'll make retirement. Why would you hold back on being generous? Why would you hold back on giving when you have the opportunity to be generous now? It doesn't make any sense at all. If you understand that life is uncertain and death is, it's insane to think, well, I'm just going to hold on to everything. Give. Be generous. Because life is a candle that will soon be blown out. Here's his last piece of advice, whether you ask for it or not. Get busy living, get busy giving, and get busy enjoying. Same chapter, chapter 11, verse 7. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eye to see the sun. Verse 8. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. Verse 9, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. In other words, right here, stop and smell the roses. Enjoy the delicious steak. Cherish that moment with that sweet baby on your lap. Enjoy the sound of the crack of a bat as it hits the ball. The beautiful sunset at the cabin up north. Enjoy what you can while you can because your life is a candle that will soon be blown out now that sounds like good advice doesn't it I mean given that life is so uncertain and given that death is certain then it kind of makes sense that the best you could do in the void in the middle is get busy living get busy giving and get busy enjoying But you need to keep in mind why Koelith is giving you this advice. This is really important, Woody Allen. Listen. Look back at verse 8 and the last phrase. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. Now notice. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many All that comes is vanity. Look at verse 9, right after, Rejoice, O young man, but know that in all these things God will bring you into judgment. Verse 1 of chapter 12, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Ain't nobody can ruin a party more than Coelhoff. So what's he saying? I, I need you here for a moment. Here's what he's saying. Here's the flow of the argument. Life is uncertain. Death is certain. So live, give, and enjoy. Why? It's the only thing that can take your mind off of what's coming. You know death is lingering since the time you were five years old, Woody Allen. So the best you can do is just devote yourself to making movies, hoping that you can forget, if just for a little while, that death is coming for you. Live, give, and enjoy, because that's the best you can do to fill the void. It's a temporary distraction from the predicament you can't get out of. So what do you say? And you'd better have something to say. Because this is everybody. This is everybody. This is not Woody Allen. This is you. This is me. This is everybody we come into contact with. How do I make sense out of the uncertainty of life, given the certainty of death? Well, I guess the best I can do is enjoy this life while I can. I'm so thankful there's a better answer than that. Here's what I would say to Koelith. If we were sitting down having a cup of coffee, I'd say, okay, buddy. And listen, Give us just just a moment, would you, if We've been together for several weeks now, all right, um, and we've battled it out, right? I have I have fought with you, and we have worked through these things. And here's what I want you to know. Um, you're right. Life is uncertain. And death is. And the reason that's the case, and you know this, Coeleth, because you know your Old Testament. In the beginning, God created man and woman. He created humanity and He gave them abundance. But they were able to live and give and enjoy in freedom. But God told them, don't eat of this particular tree and they disobeyed. They rebelled. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is, everybody, death. And so because of sin, creation has fallen. It is subjected to a curse. And yes, that's why it's messed up. Yes, that's why by its appearance it doesn't make any sense at all. Yes, that's why our bodies will decay. And yes, that's why we will all face Man, i got no issues with you. You're right, except this. Just because you can't get out of the predicament doesn't mean that there's not a way out of the predicament. The only way you get out of this is you have to defeat death. you got to beat it. you got to conquer it. Well, guess what? You can't do that. Buddy, you are totally right. It's coming like a net to a fish. There ain't nothing you can do about it. Same events happen to all. That's right. But just because you can't get out of the predicament. Doesn't mean that there's not a way out of the predicament, Woody Allen. What if there's a hero who got out of the predicament. And that, dear friends, is the good news of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. For the Bible says that Jesus became a man. He came into the world. He took on flesh. He took on a body, amazingly, that's like ours. It would bleed. And it could be beaten. And it was crucified to the cross. Listen to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that is, he became a man, that through death he might destroy the one who has power over death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death, Woody Allen, were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus became a man like us and he died our death and that's great news but it keeps getting even better because not only that Jesus died but Jesus defeated death by walking out of the grave listen to second timothy chapter 1 verse 10 and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our savior Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light Through the gospel. So Jesus came and died our death. But he defeated death. And is victorious over the grave. But it gets even better than that. Are you ready? It means. Because he conquered. You can conquer. It means. Because you can't get out of your predicament. But Jesus got out of the predicament. Follow me. You can get out of it in him. You can get out of it in him. Jesus said, John 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? We are able to say with Paul in Romans 8. You know this. Just You can even say it with me if you want. No. In all these things, we, we, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, or rulers, or things present, or things to come, powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything cohelleth under the sun will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Koelith says, life is uncertain, death is certain, you better fill your void with the things of this life. The Gospel says, life is uncertain, death is certain, so you better fill your life, you better fill your void with the promise of eternal life, which is in the champion, the conqueror, The defeater of death and the giver of life, Christ Jesus our Lord. And then you can get busy living. And then you can get busy giving. And then you can get busy enjoying. Why? Because you're not afraid anymore. Do you see how the gospel changes that? Coelho is saying you live, give, and enjoy because it takes your mind off death. The Bible says live, give, and enjoy because Jesus defeated death and you don't have to live in fear. I'll take every woo I can get, all right? (laughs) That's like, stop for a minute. Lakeville venue, everybody listen. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus... What is your answer to your predicament? You're going to get yourself out? You've got thousands of years of human history that proves that wrong. But you have one event in human history which is the only way out. And it's through the risen Christ. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? This isn't patty cake. We're not here to play a game. This is a matter of life and death. Do you know him? The hero that got out of the predicament. Billy Graham, when he was brought to the Capitol to receive the Congressional Medal of Honor, was in a room that was filled with pictures and statues of all these famous Americans throughout American history. And Dr. Graham stands up. I want you to picture this. There's the vice president. There's the senators and congressmen and evangelical leaders all filling the room. and It's like, what's a guy going to say? This is kind of a special moment here. And he looks at all of them and he points to the pictures on the wall of all those famous people in American history, and he says, what do every single one of them have in common? And there's this awkward silence, and he says, they're all dead. And he proceeded to tell everyone in the room how they could have eternal life in Christ Jesus. Faith family, life is uncertain and death is certain. And your only way out is Jesus Christ. You're not going to find meaning by ignoring death. You're only going to find it in the One who died and rose again. And in a world that is full of uncertainties where people anxiously slice their bananas and make... Their bucket lists. I'm telling you that it is only by faith in Jesus Christ that you will ever rest in peace. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let me ask you this morning do you know Him? Do you know Him? It's a matter of life and death. And today, The call to you is turn from the way you're living, if you're living for self, and look to Jesus Christ. Believe in Him. Trust Him as your Savior and Lord. Trust Him as your way, your truth, and your life. It's the only way out of your predicament. Maybe you're here and, and again, like me, you've recently lost a loved one and you, you just need to experience the victory that is in Jesus. That yes, you you grieve, but, but you do so with hope that is the anchor of your life. And maybe you've lost that and you just need the Spirit of God to give you that hope. Father, I know that you know every single need we have. You know us better than we know ourselves. And so my prayer is simply send your Spirit to lay on our hearts what we need to know, what we need to do. In Jesus' name. Amen.